If you can all please turn your Bibles or your Bible apps over to John 2, 14. We're going to be reading verses 14 to 17. And also Mark chapter 11, verse 15 and 18. Um, so yeah, that'll be the new thing that I'll be doing. I should have warned you last week um, to bring your Bibles with you. But everybody has a smartphone. I think you can all go to Bible Gateway or your Bible apps. Um, John 2, 14 and 17. In the temple courts, he found people set, selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. In Mark 11, 15 to 18, it reads, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, it is, not, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? but you have made it a den of robbers. This is the word of the Lord. I say another word of prayer before we get to the message. Father, we thank you for your sovereign hand, for allowing us to be here this evening, for providing the songs, the singers, the instrumentalists, for, for providing this building. Father, you are good and you love us and we are grateful. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Let nothing, Lord God, about our failures hinder you from speaking to us tonight. We ask for your Holy Spirit, Father, the true teacher, to reveal to us anything that you want us to understand and learn, to let go and to do, Father. Father, be with us, guide us. As your people hear my voice, Lord, I pray that they will hear you in their hearts. And we pray for healing for those who are sick, we pray for restoration for the broken relationships. And we pray for encouragement for those who are discouraged. And we pray for salvation for those who are lost. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I entitled our message this evening, What's the Big Deal? This is, um, we're, gonna, we're starting our series, or we started our series, prayer series in, um, two weeks ago. And then Brother Vince introduced us with the prayer and fasting. Um, we're calling our prayer series, We've Got to Pray. Pray, right? Yeah. Um, the importance of, tonight we're talking about the importance of prayer for a believer in a fallen world. Um, I don't know if you've looked at the news, news headlines lately, or any, any day for that matter, you'll see, hopefully, the need for us believers to be praying and to be prayerful, Right? And because, because us believers, I'm talking to us believers because if you remember, and if you're part of the prayer service every Wednesday, you know that the prayers of the unbelievers are not heard. Only the prayers of believers are heard. 
So if you're watching the news and you see all the headlines, all the craziness that's going on, it should drive you to say, man, I need to pray. I need to pray for my relatives, for my friends, for my family that are not saved because all the lies of the enemy is just all over the place. Or if, if you're not watching the news and you have, if you're married, you're probably very prayerful, <laughs> or at least you should be. Or if you have married friends, you're probably aware of certain prayer needs that they have. So that should bring you to prayer. If you are living in this world, you probably are in need of prayer. If you are a Christian and you're living in this world right here and right now, you know full well, after we studied the full armor of God, right? You know that you need prayer to go along with the full armor of God. There is a great need for prayer. The need is a big deal. It is. Unless you don't care that evil exists and that evil harms innocent people, it is a big deal because God himself took it seriously. So, you know, I, I've been I was thinking prayer series should be easy because I've, I feel like I spoke about prayer so many times on Wednesdays. So my materials should be creative, easy. I could draw things and prayer is so simple. But then as I meditated on prayer and I studied prayer and man, was I wrong because prayer is such a vast subject. It's the truth, but it's, it's like looking at the Pacific Ocean and you just can't see it in one way. You have to like keep going and you can never really see it in one vision. You just have to, it's so vast. So, we read two accounts. This is a tri trivia for people. Those two accounts that we read, is, did that happen one time or did that happen two times? Somebody answer. It can happen at least once, right? But did that happen once or twice? That event actually happened twice. The first was in John, before Jesus started his ministry. That's when he first did that in a temple. And then the second one was before he went to the cross, the one that was recorded in Matthew and Mark. That's the second account where Jesus overturned the tables. So because we are, I feel like, for me, the scene seems so alive for me because I've seen a lot of violent things in my life. But I, I think for most of us, we have been sheltered. So uh, with the help of our, my brother Mikey, our first is, it angered God. Go ahead, Mikey. Ah! <laughs> so, so I want, thank you. Thank you, Mikey. I wanted, I wanted the intensity there. I know everybody's laughing because it's like, Mike, what is Mikey doing? <laughs> this shouldn't be happening at church. No, but... That's what we read. We read the account. We read the account, and that's the same, if not worse. Because us Christians, we want, we love that Jesus is love. We love that. And we somehow, we stick to that. We don't want the, the wrath part of God. So the tendency, when we think of God is only love, we take God for granted. 
When we don't know this part of God, the overturning of, of, ta- of a table and chairs, then there's the screaming part of Mikey, right? But I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't do it quietly too. You think Jesus said, excuse me, let me just turn this over. Excuse me, uh, let me just push this here. No, Jesus was angry. So if, if it angered God, do you think we should take it easy? Or should we give it a great deal of attention and a great deal of importance? Now, some biblical background of what was going on there. Extortion. Extortion was going on in the temple. And extortion is the crime there. It's a sin there. The religious leaders have approved these things. And these are the things that they, they did. The temple, where the people will bring in the animal sacrifices, the sin, sin sacrifices, they will present it to a quality checker, a QC guy. If I may, uh, that guy will examine the animal and because their main intention is to disqualify the animal so that that person will end up purchasing the animal that they have for sale there, even if it's a microscopic error or, or they will call the singlest thing, the imperfection of the animal so that the person will be forced to purchase in the temple. And once that person goes to purchase the, an, uh, the animal sacrifice that they have pre-approved there, there's pre-approved animals there, they can't just purchase it with the money that they have with them. Because the temple says that this, the money that they have is sinful because it has the image of Caesar. So what they would have to do, the people there, for, to, for them to purchase the, the animal sacrifices, is they have to exchange their money to the approved currency of the temple. And ex, guess what? It's like in the Philippines. When you get to the airport, the exchange rate is very expensive. It's a dollar to 50. <laughs> so there's... So there is a double dipping there. And these were all approved by the religious leaders in the background. So they would make money from the exchange of the currency. They will make money from the purchase of the animal. So imagine. That's why the anger of God was there. God was angry. There is anger there. Anger of God is real. There is just no way for us to see God's love and, ne- and just completely neglect the, the fact of God's wrath. I think this is where we bring ourselves to an error. Only be- Is it because we know we're saved by grace so we take everything easy? That we don't see God as holy? That we don't see God's commands as a necessary thing? Just like prayer. Now, we see this in Isaiah 53, 40. Uh, this is Mark. Let's go to Isaiah 53, 4 to 6. This is how serious God takes sin. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. 
and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do you think God takes sin lightly? If you have believed that for some odd reason, look at the cross again. Jesus paid for your sins and mine in a very, very serious manner. Up to now, up to now, crucifixion is considered the worst way to die. Up to now. So do you think God takes sin seriously? I'd say so. But you know, we often gloss over the anger part of God, the wrath part of Him, so that we can get quickly to His love. And then once we enjoy and bask in His love, what we tend to do most of the time is we take it for granted. Just like when somebody's truly in love with us, we don't know the value of their love until we lose it. But see... The beauty with God's love is even if we don't want it anymore, once we've given it to Him, once we surrender to Him, it doesn't depend on our love for Him. It all depends on His love for us, and it's that never-ending thing. But I want us to understand that God takes sin seriously. The flipping of tables and the kicking of chairs is a small version of what Jesus did in the temple. Because there was sin there. There was violation there. People were violating the temple, the main purpose of why the temple was there. Second point of what we read is the misuse of his temple. In, okay, there's Romans 5, 9. Sorry. Since, there, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. The wrath of God. If you take it Seriously, the wrath of God, all the more you will appreciate His love. If you will understand His wrath, you will appreciate of His love even more, and vice versa. If you were given a ticket of $1,000 because you were on your cell phone driving all the way to church, and then the church says, oh, you know what, since you were coming to church anyway, we'll pay for your ticket you will see the value of that action from us because of the dollar value. Like, my goodness, the church paid for $1,000 for my error, right? You, hopefully, you'll say that. <laughs> some, I know some people will say, they have to. <laughs> I'm their member. <laughs> I've given so much to this church. It's just, just right, right? But, but you'll see the value with the dollar value. You'll see the worth of that action. Now, if it's 50 cents, you'll say, no, 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 please. That's a joke. Let me pay for this. But see, it's the same. Our sins against God, we can never pay for. His wrath that should have been placed on us was placed on Jesus. I don't know how you felt after the flipping there and the screaming there. But again, if you try to vision Jesus being crucified, being scourged for your sins. Again, let's just remind ourselves that it was our sins, not his. 
Now go to the second point, the misuse of his temple. Mark eleven seventeen. as he taught them, he said, it is, is, it, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it in the den of robbers. The people during our Lord's time misused and abused and totally lost the real meaning and purpose of the temple of God, which is to pray to God for the forgiveness of their sins, to make the proper sacrifices. That was the proper use of it. But how does this apply to us now, Christians? In 1 Corinthians 3.16 and in 1 Corinthians 6.19, it tells us, that we, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you now are the temple of God. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Now look at that and think about that for a minute. If God was so upset there when he entered and when he saw what the people were doing, that way he knew about it, right? He already knew about it. And he knows the same thing with us. The question now, Christians, is what chairs and what table that you have in your lives that's distracting you from truly worshiping God that Jesus needs to overturn and kick? We all have it. We all have those things in our lives. That is, we're misusing the temple of God. We are spending all our strength on certain things that's missing the point. That's making us not see God. That's, missing us, that's making us not serve God the way He wants us. Because we are His temples. What are the tables and the benches? What are those aspects of your lives, our lives, that we are misusing or misused to serve the true purpose of God in us? In Hebrews 12, 6, it reads, which is also Proverbs 3, 11 to 12, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. You see, God wants us to have, God wants our full attention. God wants all of us, not some of us. He wants all of us. And if he has to flip tables and chairs in your lives, he will. But don't take that against him. Because when that happens, and it will, it, just, it is just a confirmation that you belong to Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. In Hebrews eleven seven 7 to 10 reads, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respect, respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good 
in order that we may share in His holiness. Amen? Amen. Our God is good. His perfect will for us is that we don't suffer. That was His perfect will. But because of sin entering the world, because of our sinful nature, discipline through trials and tribulations must be the thing that we all have to undergo. Because that's the best way for us to hear Him. It's like the flipping of tables and the kicking of chairs. It is the best way to get our attention most of the time, unfortunately. Because when things are well, we don't care. When things are well, we're barely praying. But boy, when we have the flu, my goodness. And then it's the dreaded COVID. We're like, Lord, that's a deep Lord. Lord, help me. I need you right now. But then when things are well, it's a quick Lord. Like it comes out from our nose. Lord, thank you, Lord. Like it just comes out from your nose. It's, you don't mean it. There's no, it's not heartfelt. You just know it's a, just a knee-jerk reaction. Reaction. You just praise God. But there's really not, no appreciation. There's no seriousness. There's no intensity. But when we're hurting, when we're in trouble, even our body language tells everything. Our shoulders are down. We're down on our knees. Our eyes are closed. Now, it's not the posture, but more so about our hearts. When, when God finally flips the tables and kicks the chairs that we've focused on, that we've made our lives about, when He finally flips those things for us, then we come to a reality where we say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Because of all these things, my vision was blocked. My life was not serving you. Not, it wasn't about serving you. It was about enjoying my life here and now. And for our topic, for our series, is prayer. Our prayers seem to be more serious when we're in trouble. But see, church, Christians, my goal tonight is that not to scare you, but if anything, if you're living a good life right now and things are well, you have to realize that there are many people, even in this church or in your lives, that truly need your prayer. Because, you know, Satan doesn't want us to pray. Because prayer is like the pit stop. You know those, those races, the things, the Indy 500 or, or those, the Daytona 500, when they go around in circles at a real fast rate? Even th those machines that are built well, strong, thousands of dollars spent on them, great engineers that designed them, they have to make a pit stop, whether they like it or not. But the great pits, they know when to stop. Why, why would they stop? To stop running? No, so that they can keep going. That is the same for us Christians. Prayer is that. Prayer is that where you can draw, it's the time that you draw strength from God. Strength from God. Wisdom from God. Blessing from Him. Satan doesn't care about you sharing the gospel, especially if you did not pray about it. Satan doesn't care how much you think you're doing for God, especially if you're not praying. Satan doesn't care about that because he has covered all bases in his mind 
to kind of distract you, derail you, and to make you unsuccessful. But Satan hates it when you say, Lord, I need you. Please help me before I share the gospel to my brother. Please, Father, give me the boldness. Give me the words and open his or her heart to your gospel. Help our church, Lord God, to protect us from the division, from the allies of the enemy. Satan doesn't care that we meet. Satan hates it when we pray. That's why it's so hard. If you think about it, that's why it's difficult for you to pray. All the distractions in the world will start happening. All those notifications on your Instagram will come in. The moment you say, I'm going to pray, ding, 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 ding. You're like, what? And then you're, you're, you're going to say, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to answer. The, it's, it's from that person that you've been waiting a, a like from. Like, oh, wait, she, he liked my picture. Wait, wait a minute. Right? Then, then now then you're de derailed. You wonder why? Because that is, that's the perfect plan for him. He doesn't want us to pray. Charles Spurgeon said that, that us Christians, we are more powerful when we draw from God, and that's only through prayer. Live, love, pray. Live, love, pray. Um, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called the house of prayer but you are making it a den of robbers. Jesus here quotes both Isaiah 56, 7 and Jeremiah 7, 11. Den of robbers, a place where everyone is an under, every, all the people, it's a place where all the thieves come together and have a great understanding, a common understanding that, all right, we're going to rob people, but not each other. Right? There's a honor between thieves, amongst thieves, they say, right? But that's what happened in the temple. All of them were all in cahoot to trick those people from spending money and then lie to them and everything else. Now, Jesus tells the people then how they are misusing the temple. And Jesus is telling us now how we're misusing the temple if we are not prayerful. There, 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 it's not an accident, guys. It's not an accident that you, if, if you're going to look back in your ministries or how you walk with the Lord and you're like, well, you know, the moment I want to take God seriously, all these things happen. It's not by accident. That's by design. And some of us, we give up because of those challenges. We stop. We're like, if this is how it's serving God, what serving God is, I don't want it. But maybe not. Maybe it's not for you. But see, God tells us to pray. Because apart from Him, we cannot do anything. Apart from God, there's no way for us to serve Him in face of the challenges that the enemy will throw our way. Now Jesus says here, you, my house will be called a house of prayer. Now, to be called something, it's either it's your profession or it's your hobby or it's your reputation, right? A lot of us, if we know the doctors, uh, we have a doctor friend, we always love to call them Doc in the Filipinos. Oh, you know, Doc. And then you say the last name or the first name. But we tend to just call them by their profession. Some of us who have uh, friends who have 
that we know by their hobbies, oh, it's, it's Mike that plays basketball. And everybody will say, oh, yeah, Mike, that Mike. Or, or say, it's, it's, it's Fred that rides the bike. Okay, that, that Fred, right? So we're associated by what we do as a profession or a hobby that we're constantly doing. And the other thing, the last one, is the reputation. It's bon. Oh, that bon. Yeah, that bon. All right, we say, we say, we, we know when we say we're called. So us Christians, are you called when people see you and they know you're a Christian, do they know that you are one person that they can ask for a prayer from? Do you think they see you as a house of prayer? We are to make it our profession, Christians. We are to make it our job. We have to make it our career to be prayerful to God. We are to make it our hobby. And what is a hobby? A hobby is something that we do with, we enjoy doing it. We ride, our, we ride our bikes even though it's so hot outside. We play basketball even though it's so windy and snowing. Because we enjoy it. Talking and spending time with God is something that we truly enjoy. Better than the weekends. It's something that gives us joy and happiness. And then we have to make it our reputation. Our reputation that we are one of the prayer warriors that our fellow believers know. That they can come to us and say, Look, Jamie, I need you to pray for me. I'm struggling. We have to be seen as someone that has that connection with that somebody, that someone that is very powerful. Someone with that in. Do you have that reputation? Now, here's some quotes from, from godly people. God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil. It is impossible to move men through God by prayer alone. Hudson Taylor. There has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. <laughs> DAT person. If I could please, if I could please have your, your attention for a minute, if I can have the ladies come up here to sing the hymn. We have this hymn, because um, I'm looking around the room, most of you I've seen at the prayer service, we usually sing a lot of hymns at, here at church on Wednesday nights. And this particular hymn here serves the purpose of our message tonight. And hopefully, you will carry it with you throughout the week. This hymn is what a friend we have in Jesus. And let's welcome the FICF ladies. Oh, 
Praise God. You know, we would really save ourselves a lot of time if we are just prayerful. Before we come out, before we get out of our house, we say, Lord, I'm very busy today. Please help me not to, not to forget anything. <laughs> or help me, Father God, function the way I need to function. Help me to be gracious, to be loving. If we will just be prayerful ahead of time, and we make it our lifestyle, we will save ourselves a lot of stress. We will save ourselves a lot of, of times when we're tempted to give up because we, draw, we have already drawn power from God through our prayer. We will be strong in the face of temptation. We will be strong in the face of trial. We will be courageous because we've taken everything to God in prayer. That's why as we continue with this series, we're going to be learning how to pray, the principles of prayer, and why we should be uh, a prayerful warrior. Amen? And it's going to be about six weeks. <laughs> but anyway, the conclusion here is, the title of our message tonight is, What's the big deal? If I pray or not should be the next line there. It is a big deal because our good Lord told us to do so. That alone should be enough for us. Amen? Because whatever God told us, it should be a big, big weight, a heavy weight there. The gravity of God's word should be the only thing we need because he told us to pray. It is a big deal because we are his temple. And we are to be called prayer warriors or a house of prayer. His purpose is that we are to be prayerful. Everything must be brought to him in prayer. We hate it because in prayer it makes us humble ourselves. It makes us admit that apart from Him, we cannot do anything. And sometimes our sinful nature, most of the time, our sinful nature hates that. And lastly, because we live in a world that is ran by Satan and his forces. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It's a big deal because this is the world we live in. Satan has placed all his cronies around us. This world is being ran by them. That's why there's, there's gender confusion there. And then we can't say anything about it because we're the ones that are being called racist or not smart people, close-minded people. Prayer is needed because this is where we draw. It's a big deal because we draw strength from God in the face of these things. Amen? Amen. So hopefully, as, a, as the Sundays progress, as the days progress, we will all become very prayerful. Amen? Amen. Thank you for your patience. Please join me in the words of prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your message. We thank you for providing to us prayer, for giving us the privilege. As you have called us your children, you have also given us the privilege to talk to you, the most powerful being in the universe. 
We ask, Father, for strength from you. We ask, Lord God, for, for wisdom from you. We ask, Lord God, for protection from the attacks of the enemy and the plans of the enemy against us and our families and our friends. We ask, Father, that you help us navigate through this world, this evil world, Lord God, in order for us to still be glorifying to you. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins and help us, Lord God, live victoriously under your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.